Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Realm presents Spider King, Episode 3. There had been nothing normal about jail. One couldn't fully adapt to waking up every day in a cage, to having every civil liberty stripped away, every bit of self-dignity challenged, but it became familiar. In that same way, the spiders became familiar. His body's ability to produce autonomous eight-legged creatures seemingly out of nowhere quickly became a bizarre guarantee. The itch of impending birth only deepened with scratching. By the time a new arachnid broke free, from his hip, the fatty area above his knee, his ankle, and several from the meat of his buttocks, the area around an eruption was usually raw with blood from Darnell's nails. His experience with the three that night, Portia in particular, gave him confidence of at least some control. Maybe he couldn't stop what was happening to him, but at least he didn't have to stand aside and watch. He practiced during his bus rides. Portia, the most obedient, he trusted to roam most of the commute. A section of his mind became increasingly tuned to experiencing the crosstown bus and all of its giant passengers through her senses, while the rest of him worked on coaxing the others to his will. Every connection with Portia left him wanting more. There was a primitive but potent thrill in how she saw the world. One morning, he tuned in fully as she stalked a small orb-weaving spider that had nested between a chair and the window. Portia had taken position to drop death from above when a new passenger's long braids blocked her trajectory. She promptly changed course, crawled down the black lining between windows, and approached the web unseen. She tapped the web's silk anchors with the skill of a seasoned pianist, drawing the spider over for what it thought to be helpless prey. Portia had eaten well, and when Darnell snapped into focus to see the bus pulling away from his stop, he realized his own mouth watered. Even after running a mile to his shift, even as he took the first order of the day, he still felt the thrill of the hunt. She enraptured him at work, too. More than once he asked a customer to repeat themselves because Portia had spotted some unsuspecting fly gorging itself on a dropped morsel. She was a patient stalker. Her prey was alerted to her presence only after feeling her embrace. With time, Darnell felt comfortable letting more of them roam and letting his mind roam with them. Most wove intricate webs in Delaney's many corners, 
He quickly learned to recognize floods of excitement, not as unannounced panic attacks, but as the vibrations of a successful catch. Likewise, he familiarized himself with the more intense alarm of human interference. He became a frequent volunteer to clear out a web or to take care of a spider spotted by a customer or coworker. Like a song stuck in his head, the spiders stayed with him always. Their ubiquity felt most in his dreams. The worst nightmare put him in the throes of labor with no appreciation of his incongruent anatomy or the fantastical dream setting. He shifted from the excitement of becoming a parent to the horrible knowledge that he was giving birth to something not human. A couple of monstrous legs, its fur dripping amniotic fluid, curled up from under his hospital gown and toward him. Kaylee pulled him sharply out of his nightmare with an innocent knee to the stomach. Can we do it, Dad? You promised. Not so loud, he said, suppressing the fear and pain encasing languid confusion. Kaylee's energetic joy alone told him he was safe, for now. Morning rays broke through the blinds and lit her braids brown. You'll wake your mother. What did I promise again? He lay back and clenched his stomach against the roving pain that felt out of proportion to any trauma a four-year-old could inflict. Portia, Dad. To her credit, she whispered, albeit fiercely, Spider King, our game. You said in the morning, Dad. He remembered. Displays of emergence and obedience, mostly with Portia, had become part of their nightly father-daughter routine. Last night, he'd been exhausted from a double shift at Delaney and promised to do it in the morning. Kaylee began to beg again. Kaylee, honey, Ashley said. Her locks half covered her face. Let your dad sleep. But he promised. Okay, I'm up, I'm up, Darnell said. Ashley's smile drifted back into sleep. To Kaylee's delight, Darnell rolled out of bed and followed her to her room. We can play Spider King. Whether it was the dream, the close call with Ashley, or the knot in his stomach, Darnell couldn't sit still during the ride into work that morning. He tried to set his mind on something he knew, facilitating a new birth. So far, he'd met a total of nine spiders, two of which absconded from his pant legs shortly after emerging, never to be seen again. And number 10 was proving the most timid. He had nearly conquered whatever was inside the uniquely uncomfortable cyst under his left middle finger's knuckle when the knot in his stomach burst lightning. The morning was cloudy and damp. The sudden pain forced out a puff of frost across the bus's window. Something shifted in his belly, threatening ruin to his pants. He remembered his dream. This was another one. He reeled in his bicameral focus from the unborn knuckle spider and Portia, who had been plodding on a roach crawling along the rim of a sleeping man's hat, and demanded control over his midsection. The pain intensified. He broke into a cold sweat. He gritted his teeth to snuff out any sound that would bring unwanted attention. Something popped loose in his stomach. The relief was physical, its implications horrifying. Across the aisle, Portia paused halfway up her silk line anchored to the bus's ceiling. The writhing cockroach she held escaped in this moment of distraction. The cyst on his knuckle burst in a silent spray and many little spiders, each the size of a period in a book, circled his finger and dispersed over his hand. None of this mattered to Darnell. He pulled up his shirt. Fuck me, he said. 
All at once, he remembered a passing moment a few days prior while he was sitting with Kaylee, helping her put a Spider-Man puzzle together. A pang in his stomach had threatened to end their peaceful time. He had immediately and forcefully silenced the awakening of whatever new thing his body had conjured. The relief had been like suppressing a strong urge to defecate, and he quickly forgot about it. Now it was back, swollen in constipation, a thing larger than Darnell could realistically birth. It visibly pushed outward against his navel. Flesh parted as the first thick, navy blue leg tasted the world. It was as long as his middle finger and half the width. Darnell pulled his shirt down. The leg scratched against the cloth, unhappy at this new barrier. The bulk of the emerging spider continued to persist against his flesh. He counted himself down, quicker than should have been beneficial. The spider was coming. He couldn't help that, but letting it go at its own frantic pace meant sure maiming, or worse. The leg stopped scratching. It retreated back into his stomach. Darnell imagined an abdomen and thorax thick with age, imagined the many legs tucked inside the body. The form shifted so that its smallest part faced a dot of light in the dark. Forward, too fast, too big. The spider was eager to be free, not only of this space, but of the mind violating its autonomy. There was no reversing. Darnell risked losing control if he did that. Forward, slow, control. His skin and sinew stretched to accommodate. The first half was free. Excitement welled. Slow, still, not too eager. The largest part was next. End of the line, kid. Two things happened simultaneously. Darnell opened his eyes to the bus driver standing halfway up the aisle. And the spider freed itself of his flesh and mind. Under the cover of his shirt, it scaled his body around to his back, leaving wet trails with heavy legs. I said end of the line, everyone off. The driver's firm expression demanded serious attention. The bus's engine was off. They were the only human souls aboard. Out the window, other resting buses lined the parking lot. I missed my stop, any chance I could. She was already shaking her head, a hard, no. Are the police on their way, Darnell said. Maybe if you leave now, there shouldn't be a problem. I'm getting off, just fell asleep, that's all. The driver knew this was bullshit, but she wasn't about to dispute it, as long as he did as he said and left without any trouble. Darnell leaned forward, ran his hands over his face and rose slowly as if drunk. The bus driver watched him closely while keeping her distance. When Darnell felt Portia's light legs on his skin and her body slip back into his wrist, he straightened with sobriety and exited. According to his phone, Delaney was two miles away. He began to jog. Judging by the way the newest spider gripped into his back, he could feel every leg. It didn't like the running. Connection with the newcomer was weak, but its panic was enough to push Darnell to run faster. The spider's legs progressively dug into his back before suddenly dislodging itself and circling around to Darnell's belly. He tried to stop it from entering, but it was too late. The day turned a sick red hue and tilted on its axis. Black clouded his periphery. He hit the stale dirt of an untended yard shoulder first. It jostled him back to full awareness. He sprang up as if by a string and ran faster. Darnell paused just outside Delaney. 
Sweat ran down his face and wet his already dirt-streaked uniform. Through the window, Joy took an order from a table, his table. Fuck. Her customers considered their menu. Seeing a chance, he slipped into the restaurant and beelined it to the public bathroom. He closed himself in an empty stall, wiped his face with his sleeve and began a text to his boss. Bus broke down. Jumping in an Uber and we'll be there as fast as I can. Darnell hesitated. A better solution didn't present itself. He could always leave through the back and resign, tell her it just wasn't working out and save them both the embarrassment. Then what? Who else would take him? And what would he tell Ashley? The spiders made me late so I quit? He pressed send and exited the stall. He wiped his face again, this time with a towel, and raked his hair with overgrown fingernails. Darnell grabbed an apron from the kitchen to cover most of the dirt stains. He just finished adjusting it as Joy nearly hurried past him before stopping in a double take. She gestured with her phone. You're here. I just got your text. Weird, I sent it over an hour ago. Really sorry for being late. Bus broke down and the Uber got lost. I saw you got my table. I can take over. Tips go to you. She studied him. Her eyes went to his arms. In his hurry, he'd forgotten to roll down his sleeves. His collar was also unbuttoned. There was no use covering up the many scars now. Doing so would just further cement him in guilt. Everyone needs something, Joy said. Some needs are predictable, some are not. Some are easy to relate to, others not so much. Boss, Darnell said, if you're not getting what you need here, we can work it out. But only if you tell me, okay? Everything's good, he said. I won't be late again. She nodded. Don't worry about table nine. I get a I don't believe in tipping vibe from them anyway. The spiders stayed quiet the rest of the day. Darnell spent his lunch break crouched behind a recycling bin in the alley. It took nearly the full hour to coax out the newcomer. Flecks of dried blood fell from its legs as it oriented itself in Darnell's palms. The spider had already nearly outgrown his hands. Its abdomen and thorax were substantial. The shiny fur shifted from a light blue to a neon green as it moved. The legs lacked this effect, but impressed with their own deep blue checkered with silver. He watched the spider take its first independent steps. The sensual feed from it was faint, barely there, not like the others. At the end of his break, Darnell called the spider back inside. It didn't move. It wasn't bothered. Darnell tried again. Connecting with the others was like moving his own arm or leg, any difficulty akin to a limb that had fallen asleep. Now he felt as if he were trying to lift a rock with his mind. He nudged the spider with his fingers, harder than he meant. The spider reared up and hissed, a sound like air escaping from a can. Its fangs unfurled from under its feelers, drops of venom accentuated each. Fear all his own. Not from those fangs, which were substantial, but from the complete lack of control. Only with this understanding did the spider step off Darnell's palms and begin to ascend his forearms. He lifted his shirt so it could step onto his belly. The spider paused, then entered its burrow on its own accord, as if to say, I'm complying. This time... 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Over the next week, Darnell's control over most of his cluster strengthened. He continued to practice on the bus and use his phone's alarm to keep him from missing any more stops. He became a punctual employee once again. Joy's observant eyes eventually fell off him, and Darnell felt the beginnings of trust. The ability to suppress a new birth came most in handy during working hours. He strategically saved this power for particularly exposed moments, like handling food or taking a customer's order. The mental fortitude such a feat required left him vulnerable the rest of the day, allowing his cluster to come and go freely. Some tested boundaries more than others, Darnell watched helplessly as one chittered around the base of an unsuspecting customer's soup and almost had a heart attack as another ziplined from one table's edge to another in an attempt at a web. The spiders became skilled in dodging human eyes. They were uniquely crafted, a sight one expected to see on the Discovery Channel, not in an American restaurant. They were also light and quick of leg, and any sighting was never more than a fleeting glance. Darnell witnessed some of these moments himself. A customer would pause mid-order. Their eyes would shift to something in Darnell's background, something that elicited an instinctual fear. Some acted unfazed, while others seemed to lose their appetite. Ironically, the few days when none of the spiders emerged proved to be the hardest. There was something about having those eyes out there watching over him. It eased his mind better than any pill. Without them to worry over, his mind let in old foes. A customer walking too closely behind him. A black and white slowing down outside. The fear of going back behind bars. Darnell took more and more of his breaks in the dingy alley behind Delaney. While his co-workers used this time to feed the nicotine addiction they'd picked up in jail, he repurposed the recycling bin as a desk and sketched pictures of his new companions from memory. He drew Portia the most, with her keen, doll-like eyes and reserved demeanor. Another was jet black with a thick rectangular body and legs thick with branching hairs. The largest one, he called her Charlotte, offered the most detail to work with, though she hardly ever stayed still long enough for proper inspection. It spent the most time of all his spiders out in the wild, but always returned. He only drew the all-legs spider once, as it was the most unpleasant to watch emerge. Its legs sprouted out of his skin like some terrible parasitic weed. One night, while Ashley was working late on a new game launch and Darnell was making dinner, Kaylee's sobs drifted into the kitchen and lifted above the pop of grease. He found her in her room, balling up a paper in apparent frustration. A few of his drawings lay nearby, 
Hey, what's going on? He said, sitting beside her. I can't do it like you, she said. Darnell unballed her attempt. Her ovals weren't as even as his, and the legs were all bunched together rather than spread evenly apart over the spider's body. But it was better than anything he would expect from a four-year-old. She thrust the crayon into Darnell's hand. You finish it. I like yours, he said. He pointed to the red streaks that she had put on its body. This part is so cool. It's Porsche, right? She nodded. This one is all wrinkled, he said. You want to help me make a new one? He summoned Portia, who was a little sleepy, but otherwise happy to oblige. She stalked a daddy long legs in the corner while Darnell sketched and Kaylee colored. What kind of spider is she? Kaylee said as she added the finishing touches, lightning bolts coming out of the spider's eyes, to their art. Portia spider, Darnell said. No, dad, not her name. What kind is she? I don't know, Darnell said and realized he didn't know what kind any of his spiders were. Want me to find out? Later that night, after Ashley had fallen asleep ten minutes into a movie she'd let him pick, he searched the web for an enthusiast forum, registered, and started a thread with the subject, Anyone Know the Species? After a half hour or so, someone responded to his description with, Got any pics, dude? He yawned, snapped a picture of Portia, and uploaded it. He reloaded the page a few times before falling asleep himself. The thread was forgotten until well into his shift the next day. Some self-claimed arachnologist had emailed him asking if his photo was the real deal. If so, they wanted to connect because he may have found a new species of spider. Darnell almost dropped the phone. He put in his table's orders, ducked into the employee bathroom, and went to his thread. 30 replies. There had been a substantial argument over the identification. Finally, the consensus was that either this was a completely new species, or the original poster was both adept at Photoshop and full of shit. What's more, his hand was in the picture with the marks on his wrist and knuckles. Any average internet goer wouldn't think much of it, but if the right person saw it? Shit. How could he have been so careless? Could this be considered a violation of his hush-hush agreement? Suddenly, he felt watched. He peeked out into the hallway just enough to assure himself he was alone. No one from Freedom Rings had contacted him. No one had checked in on him, which meant they knew exactly how he was doing. And if they were that close, would they know of this blunder? He closed the door, locked it, and spent the next hour deleting his post and his profile and searching the internet to see if his photo had made it anywhere else. It hadn't. He was vaguely aware of his cluster entering under the door and returning to their homes. Their bodies vibrated with nervous energy. Somebody knocked. Just a minute, he nearly yelled it. It's Joy. You okay in there? Yes, sorry, I'm just coming right out. He stepped out into the hallway. Joy raised her eyebrows in surprise. Hopefully, showing himself quickly squashed any presumptions of paraphernalia laid out on the bathroom counter. I didn't mean to rush, she said. You need someone to cover you? No, no, I'm fine. Just lost track of time. I'm good. He kept his phone close for the next couple of days, startling at any message or call. He kept the spiders even closer. That email unsettled him. What if one of them was caught? 
What if someone took interest in an exotic new species found in the middle of Los Angeles? His eyes wandered to Delaney's front door whenever it opened, expecting to see men in uniform coming to lock him back up. Charlotte was the only one that didn't fall in line. Just the opposite. She began to stay out for days at a time. He found himself hoping she had been eaten by a cat or squished under someone's shoe. But no matter how long she was gone, she eventually returned. Not to enter him. She'd quickly become too large for that. But perhaps to just let him know she still existed. That she was still something to worry about. Worst of all, she began to leave presents. One morning, close to opening, Darnell found a dead mouse under a booth he serviced. The meat had been sucked from the poor animal. Only skin and bones and teeth remained. He'd cleaned it up quickly before anyone else could see. As with all things, time took the edge off. The forum called to him. They had responded so quickly. And was it true? Was Portia a new species? What about the rest of them? He went back onto the site, started a new alias under Spider Pencil, and made sure to use a fake email this time. He uploaded his and his daughter's drawings to spark debate over identification. The speed and abundance of replies caused his hobby to spill over into work. He constantly refreshed the page on his phone, drawing ire from customers and coworkers alike who assumed he was on social media. The small but vibrant community of arachnid enthusiasts delighted in his drawings, which resulted in rich, detailed discussion about species. None resulted in consensus. The thorax, for example, most aligned with this species, while the length and shape of the legs fit another entirely. Someone commented under a drawing of Portia that it looked a lot like the forged picture posted some weeks before. Thankfully, the comment didn't catch on. Most praised him on his creativity. They confirmed that what he was experiencing was something new. Some weeks passed, and things fell into rhythm again. No one had come through that door looking for him, and his control over most of his cluster became second nature. He continued to hold them close and limited their hunting to Delaney's and his apartment. He hadn't given in to letting them out on the bus again yet. The risk of being spotted was too real. Just before his punctuality started to decline again, Joy made a fleeting comment that made Darnell realize how hunger had crept into his daily discomforts. Don't forget to eat, she'd said toward the end of one of his shifts. He had lost some pounds, which likely struck Joy as particularly odd. Usually ex-convicts gained weight with freedom. Darnell's own cousin had gone from being stick-thin to a butterball in just the few months after his five-year stint in prison. Darnell's own appetite had certainly increased. But that was the thing. No matter how much he ate, when was the last time he felt satiated? Darnell woke ahead of the sun from a twilight dream the next morning, Joy's words still echoing in his mind. What's more, a dull, hungry ache sat in his stomach, his hand went to his navel. Charlotte's hole had nearly closed, but would never fully heal. Darnell slipped out of the sheets, careful not to tug at the end wrapped around Ashley, and went into the kitchen. The cabinets were well stocked, cereals, pancake powders, rice cakes. Most important, ample sugar, flour, and honey. He bent a blind to peer out the window. 
still dark with only the beginnings of morning spreading over the horizon. He got to work. Some hours later, footsteps, the creak of their bedroom door, light giggles, and Ashley's half-sleep response. Nell? Came floating out of the room. In the kitchen, take your time. Ashley rubbed her eyes with one hand and hugged a yawning Kaylee with the other as she came out of their room. She blinked at him, bemused, and then shifted focus to the kitchen. Well, babe, what's the occasion? Pancakes, Kaylee yelled. Lots of pancakes, Ashley said. She plucked the empty bag of flour from the top of the overflowing trash. Who's going to eat all this? It's a breakfast feast. Darnell tore off a corner of a pancake he'd just added to the finished stack and dipped it in syrup. I was hungry. Thought I'd make us all something. His wife and daughter enjoyed the breakfast. Darnell had started nibbling while cooking and went back for another serving when his family threw away their plates. Ashley did little to hide her concern, but said nothing. Kaylee came over and gave him a hug. Thanks for breakfast, Daddy. You're not chopped. She's been watching some TV, Ashley said. Anytime, sweetie. You like my famous recipe? He smiled and she smiled back. Then she cocked her head to the side in that curious manner of a child. What happened to your face? She said. What happened to your face? Darnell said. No, I see it too, Ashley said. You're breaking out. Bad. Darnell's hand went to his left cheek. There, above his cheekbone, the flesh was solid and numb. No itch. He pressed the area, cautious. Must be the weather, he said, and then to Kaylee. Or perhaps I'm... Turning into a fly! Portia will eat you. Who's Portia? Ashley said. Her spider. King of the spiders, actually. And you tell Miss Portia King Spider she can't eat me. And then to his wife. How bad is it? Should I cover it up for work? Maybe just some cream. You working the late shift tonight? No. Why? It's just, usually you'd be gone by now. Darnell paused mid-chew and turned to the window. The morning sun had taken its place high in the sky. He yanked up his phone. Shit, 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 shit! Language. Relax, Nell. You're a hard worker. They know that. The angst of tardiness got Darnell dressed into the bus stop in just a few minutes. Once on board, hunger quickly resettled. Breakfast had done nothing to satiate him. Though Darnell's belly was engorged to the point of nausea, he still hungered. Every little spider pod was like a heartbeat. He felt the new one on his face the most. His face! That felt sacred. What other areas had he assumed were safe, but really weren't? Well before his stop, Portia and the others, at least a dozen now, each easily distinguishable, awoke all at once. Still pondering what he was going to do about his face, they took him off guard and poured out under his work clothes, scurried frantically to find light, and crawled off the bus. A man with headphones stared at him, his expression twisted in, what the fuck? Darnell didn't want to see this play out. He got off with them. Hey, he called, looking around. They were still in Inglewood, a section ripe with gentrification. Hey! One of the younger ones was slow, but confident in its path. Darnell followed. The size of a pea, this new spider was a brownish red and without mark. 
Its hairless legs spread out wide as it navigated the cracked concrete and turned onto a walkway leading to someone's porch. Darnell felt the other's presence. Metal touched his tongue. The air stank of sour decay. His teeth ached with the pull of adrenaline. His fists clenched in a primitive reflex to grip and grasp at... At what? Darnell opened the waist-high gate and approached the quaint two-story house. Finally, he saw, though sight at this point was only supplementary. The young brown spider ascended the rotting stairs, scaled the porch's column and joined its older siblings on a long, exhausted strip of wax paper. The flycatcher curled under the weight of its victims. Some of the doomed insects still moved and quivered. The spiders, his spiders, were feeding. Darnell stepped forward, dimly aware that his mouth had begun to water. He saw what drew his curiosity all too late. A wasp freed itself from the wax and stung him on the left side of his face, right above the cheekbone. The already swollen area filled with an immense pain that peaked in seconds and culminated in a burst and spray of organic material. Something different fell onto the grass. It writhed as Darnell clutched his torn face. The creature's drying wings caught the air and it took flight. Its abdomen was thick with red and blue striped fur, its many legs hanging off its body like weeping willow branches. Darnell snatched up the wax paper, stuffed it in his work bag, spiders and all, and went to find a pharmacy. Joy waited for him outside Delaney's staff entrance. Darnell was a full three hours late. She gasped at the sight of his bandaged face, composed herself, and invited him into her office. He had no rebuttals, no apologies. He thought of many excuses on the bus ride in, but none of the lies seemed worth telling. I like you, Darnell, she began. I like you too, boss lady. This got a smile, but not the reassuring kind he'd come to look for. The staff likes you, and I've seen you with the customers. You work hard and are honest. I feel like this is where I would normally say thank you, but there's a but coming. But when you're here, not just physically, it's becoming increasingly clear to me and others that you're preoccupied with other things. I'm fired, Darnell said. She blinked at his frankness, then recovered. We don't fire people. We give them opportunities. Your spot will be here after you take the opportunity to work on yourself. She handed him a list of rehab centers. Darnell flipped the one-sided resource over, numb. Then he began to laugh. This won't help, he said. She started to reply, but nothing got through his laughter. I get it. (laughs) I get it. You think I'm a junkie. Why wouldn't you? I'm late, distracted, always itching. I mean, look at my fucking face. But I'm not. I swear to you, I'm not. The time out in the alley. He laughed harder and pulled out his phone. (laughs) You know what I'm doing in the alley? Drawing. See, look. I know the signs. Her eyes, full of pity, flitted to his arms. These marks, he pulled up his sleeve. Faint, swollen lines connected the three exit wounds on his forearm. He stuck his bandaged cheek forward. You think I'd do this to myself? You think this is, what, heroin? Meth? Okay, can either of them do this? 
Darnell put both fists on Joy's table, wrist up. He grit his teeth and pushed. Weak veins pushed over wire-thin muscle. Come on, come on, come on, come on! He sat back, defeated. I need this job, please. She drummed her fingers on the desk. She was considering him. For a moment, he thought she might give him another chance. Then her face hardened. She sat up, steadied her hands. And it's yours to have, after you work on yourself first. I don't know how, he said, more to himself than to her. Joy straightened the resource sheet and pushed it towards him. Prison changes everyone it touches, everyone. But it doesn't have to define us. You'll be back. I know you will. And we'll be waiting for you. He thanked her and left. Joy was wrong about the cause, but she was right about him. He did need to focus. He had changed since jail. The question was, how much? You're listening to Spider King, narrated by William Demerit. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Realm, listen away. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Spider King is written by Justin C. Key. It is produced by Diana Foe and executive produced by Molly Barton. Audio produced and original musical theme by Amanda Rose Smith. Sound design and editing by Kaylin West.